When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, I write for The Athletic, and I am along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are here to talk about the Watkins Glen NASCAR race. All things Watkins Glen, and uh, I'm here at the track. Uh, the darkness is falling, uh, along with the rain uh, on a, a drizzly day. I don't know if it's raining anymore, but uh, Jordan, how are you doing there? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, quite the race. Quite the race. Can you explain something to me, though? I'm dying to know. Okay. Why is Chase Elliott upset at Kyle Larson? Like, I, I get you didn't win the race, but... It wasn't what Kyle Larson didn't like shove him on the way. It wasn't like he egregiously did something awful. It was hard racing on a restart. What? How did Elliot expect that to go? Uh, I think it was a little bit beyond hard racing on a restart. He he knocked him out of the way. He knocked him out of the lead. So you don't think so? I, I just I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's what this is what happens on restarts, like on a road course, especially at Watkins Glen, where everybody kind of falls into turn one, like. This is what happened. You have to expect that you are going to be raced extremely hard. And we saw it with Michael McDonald, the restart before. If you are not aggressive, you you don't get a good restart, you get gobbled up and lose positions and you're done. And so you had to know going into that, especially when you choose the outs, the, the left lane, that you're going to open the door for people to get into the inside of you and things are going to happen. You put yourself in a vulnerable spot. I'm not saying that Larson didn't race him aggressively. But I, I I don't I take umbrage with the fact that Larson did anything wrong and should owe, and owes anyone really an apology. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Larson himself said in his post race press conference that while he was driving around under caution, he's calculating all the things you know the implications of what was going to come on the restart, and he had said that basically in the Xfinity race he kept getting you know he kept being on on the inside repeatedly, and you know the the guy on the outside would basically come across his nose and chop off his angle. And so he told himself going into that final restart, like he's like, okay, this is probably going to be the last restart of the race. Um, I have the inside line. And basically he, he said, if I have a nose in front, I am not going to let my teammate, um, you know, beat me on this restart. Like I'm going to do what I have to do essentially to win. And he obviously got in there too hot, and and the the contact ends up shipping uh, Elliot. Now he recovered; he didn't wreck, so that that's good. Um, but he definitely consciously decided, "Hey, I'm going to use, his, you know, I'm going to use contact here and, and take my teammate out of it." He said, "You know, drawing a comparison to the Fontana race, which was Larson's other win this year, that also came at Elliot's expense." Larson said, "You know, that one was more of an accident. This one, though, he he said himself." I was desperate for five playoff points. I'm yeah. trying to get to second in points, and I did what I had to do. But you you asked, you started by saying, "Why would Elliot be mad?" Well, <laughs> um, 
there you go. That's why. I, I mean, I, no, I, I guess. I mean, sure. But in the grand scheme of things, like, I don't think this is a hill to die on. And again, it's not like he spun you out. It's not. It, it kind of comes with the territory of being a leader on a restart on a road course. Like, you know, these things are going to happen. And if it isn't Larson getting into you, it's going to be someone else. And if Larson, you also have to realize, too, if you're Elliot, like, okay, my teammate here is is got a lot on the line. Like, he's racing for playoff points. He needs a little solidify his position a little bit more. I'm in a good spot. And he might be a little bit more aggressive here. I, I'm not saying he shouldn't be, like, upset that he lost the race. But, like, holding some kind of grudge and the, and the questions about, oh, you know, is, you know, the Bristol comments, right? Like, oh, Bristol's going to happen. They know what's going to happen there. And he's going to race Larson differently. Play. It's like, just come on. Like, really? Like, this seems like a lot of of angst about something that just it doesn't seem it's worth it. I mean, I I I just don't see it the same as you do. I I feel like Elliot was probably. I mean, you're you're saying that Elliot's mentality should have been, you know, hey, I'm going to get raced hard here. I think Elliot's mentality was, hey, this is my teammate. He's going to race me hard but fair. We're going to have a nice clean battle here over the last couple laps. I have the advantage as a leader. And he's going to have to do whatever he can to pass me. Um, I think you're not expecting there to have contact from your teammate um, that ends up shuffling you back. And, you know, I think that's a perfect. I mean, Jeff Andrews from Hendrick was like, I totally get why Chase is upset about how that went down. Um, I, I think, it, you know, if you see, could see, I mean, Chase was absolutely fuming, first of all. Um you know, like you saw the video of the conversation he had with Hendrick and Gordon. Um, I did get um, a couple lip reader types who <laughs> both said they had slightly different interpretations, but one thing was consistent. And I guess if you look at Chase's lips, what he's saying to Gordon and Hendrick, one of the things he says is there is no fixing this. They felt like he said there's no fixing this. And one, one, somebody said there's no reason to speak or something. So, and then, so Elliot comes in after, so just a little backstory. So, um, NASCAR had said, if Elliot wins the regular season championship, um, he will be coming in the media center to do a press conference about winning the regular season championship. Obviously they didn't know what was going to happen in the race. This is before the race. They say this. So, um, so he doesn't do the stuff, you know, he did TV and radio on pit road, but then he comes in the media center well, he, he was so fired up. I think he came pretty, you know, he, he, he left pit road quickly. Right. So like he, he's in the media center and it was before everybody had gotten back. NASCAR wasn't there yet. So he ends up standing there for like almost, I would say, I asked Dustin Long what he thought too. I, we, I think it was like 10 minutes and they're playing the audio of the TV, you know, Kyle Petty and Dale Jarrett you know, talking about what they just saw in the media and Lar and uh, Elliot's just staring up at the TV. And I mean, the guy just looked like he's absolutely fuming. He, he did not want to be there. He wanted to get out of there as soon as quick, uh, as quickly as possible. Finally, he gets up to the podium and you know, all those questions was like very short. Why'd you take the outside kind of thing? I suck. It was my fault. What do you, how do you resolve this with Larson? Just congratulate him. Move on. I mean, you know, he, he was not happy. And, and so anyway, when I asked Larson about that later, Larson says like, look, I mean, I know you, you from my position, you have to know you're now going to get raced hard and you're not going to get any breaks. He's not going to, he, Larson knows no matter what he says to Elliot, it's not going to, Elliot's going to have that in the back of his head two times. Now this happened. 
and it's going to be fresh on his mind for the playoffs. And and Larson has to be aware, you know, his teammates not going to take him out, but he's not going to give him an inch on the track. And those two cars are very even. They're going to be around each other a lot in the playoffs. They're probably both going to be make making deep runs. They might both make the final four. And all I'm saying is this is not the end of this. And so you're saying, well, this shouldn't be a hill to die on for Elliot, but he's he's going to remember this. He's going to remember this. Okay. So he races his teammate hard. Okay. But like, again, what does that mean? Like, I mean, so he's going to come in any breaks. Okay. Big deal. Like in the grand scheme of things, I don't see that as like a huge thing. Like he's not going to take him out. He's not going to cost Larson a win at he, if Elliot's out of the race, let's go back to Bristol last year. If Elliot's out of the race, he's not going to do anything to hold up Larson and prevent him from winning. Like there are certain lines you cannot cross as a teammate. I just, I mean, this but is, don't you I, feel like that's so he, from his position though, he probably feels like he's being taken advantage of them because if the, let's say, let's just hypothetically say that Larson did that to a Gibbs car today or, you know, to, to Logano or something. Right. So then the conversation is, Oh man, now they're going to take, they're going to get him back. They're going to pay him back. Now, now you're what you're saying. And I think you're correct is Elliot cannot pay him there's, back in a sense. There's of, a limitation on what he can do. Right. But so, Elliot, if you're in that position, you feel like you're being taken advantage of because they still have to work together. They still have to be in meetings together. They still have to race hard and clean and they can't hurt their organization. But no matter what is said in any meeting, Elliot is going to be like, it's going to be worthless to him. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, for sure. No, but then get a better restart. Don't give your teammate the opportunity to like get underneath you and then make that move. Well, I mean, he didn't make them. He used yeah. contact to make the move. Yeah. I just... I don't think it was like, I, I don't think Elliot, you know, quote unquote messed up. I mean, Larson made it like, again, he made a conscious decision that I'm going to drive it in so deep that uh, if we make contact and I end up muscling him out of the way, uh, all right. But, you know, a lot of teammates say, well, you don't race a teammate like that. So I think that's where, that's where this all comes in. And and it's going to be, you know, I see people going, oh, you know, the media's turning up drama. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there, this is uh I'm not saying, you know, again, it's not going to, it might not come out on track in terms of like a retaliation type of move, but I mean, there's some clear unhappiness there after this. Sure. And we'll, we'll see, but I just, there are bigger fish. There are bigger fish to fry if I'm Chase Elliott and more things to worry about than this. And to get wrapped up in this ongoing thing. I'm not it, saying he's going to get wrapped up in it. I didn't say you said that, but I just, you don't. You can't let this grudge carry through and prevent you from focusing on uh, on winning a championship or anything like that. Don't it, like this is. It's uh, to me. It feels like it's it's inconsequential. It really didn't cost Elliot, out, but outside of a few playoff points, uh, a grand. It didn't really cost him anything. Okay, it it cost him a win. First of all, uh, so a few play a few, a few points, five playoff points, which okay. we know that that's going to be a big deal this year. His he's already got a big lead. His potential chief rival in the playoffs just got five more playoff points instead of him. So that's a 10-point swing between those two. Um, and it helped Larson move up to second in points, which would help Larson get the 10 playoff points. So, I mean, if if only one of them makes the Final Four and it comes down to some small difference, I mean, this is a race you could look back and go, wow. I mean, and again, uh. if you're Larson... If you're Larson, you go, well, I mean, look, you know, he said, I did what I had to do. I was desperate for those. I mean, this is a year where, you you know, 
you're you're trying to go for that stuff, but you have to and and to Larson's credit, I mean, he was completely honest about it. I mean, he he said, "Look, I I know I'm going to get probably something back and, and at least hard racing or he's not going to cut me any breaks." So I think everybody's kind of on the same page, uh, but I don't think that's the best thing, you know, teammate chemistry-wise, um, heading into the playoffs. But I mean, let's let's just, you know, you and me are teammates, right? We do different stories, okay? So, like, let's say um, I was going after a story that I really wanted to do, and you and you, you know, basically cut cut out my feet and and you know went around me, and you did the story instead. We'd still have to work together. We still talk every day, but I'd be like fuming. And maybe if I had the chance to do the same to you, I might, you know, next time you say, yeah, you know, what? I want to do a story on this. And then I'd say, oh, by the way, here's my story. I just did a story on this guy. Sorry. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we, again, you're still on the same team, but you're like, hmm, interesting. You know, that, that, that dynamic changes in a hurry where, you know, like for instance, you and me, you know, typically we're like, Hey, you want to do this? Okay, yeah, you do that. You take care of that. You know, I'll do this. All right, you have dibs on that, right? But if you didn't play that way, if as soon as one person doesn't play that way, the whole dynamic changes. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. I, they'll be fine. I, I just don't think this is going to have long-lasting implications. Okay, all right. Well, uh, it was certainly. Um, I mean, I, I just off the top of my head, out of the what five road races so far with Next Gen, uh, this was the best, right? Would you say? I wouldn't think it's close, right? I mean, Coda wasn't very good. I mean, Coda was the, okay. The, yeah, the, the, okay. Finish, the Coda finish was good. The race itself was not the best until the very yeah. end. Sonoma wasn't very exciting. Indy wasn't the Indy was Indy was, was Indy. Just stupid, yeah. It was entertaining. Yeah. Road America wasn't. <laughs> no, Road America yeah. was not very good at all. So yeah, this is easily the best. I don't think it's close. I, I thought stage one of this race was some of the best racing I've seen all year, period. So was that because why so why was it? It, it was, was a combination because, of factors. It yeah. was like it was it was hard racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was varying strategies, you know, wet tires, dry tires, guys trying to do different things, um, changing track conditions, it, it, trying to figure out the track. It just it was a lot of these things and guys racing for different agendas. Michael McDowell's racing really hard for a win. Mm-hmm. Chase Elliott's racing for playoff regular season championship, playoff points. I mean, it's just all of these factors came together. I thought that racing was phenomenal that was like i saw that and i'm like if you give me that every time on a road course i can understand why nascar wants all of these road courses yeah no i agree and i thought that like you said i mean it it was some teams trying to say look we're we're going two-stop strategy all the way we're not going to come down and get rid of these wet tires yet some are like let's go to wet tires as soon as we can um and, and try to make it that way and then so you had people coming out of the pits you had people you know, race, some racing hard, some racing not, and, and getting it all mixed up on the track. Um, that was very interesting. And, and I thought, man, like uh, all the international fans watching, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute, I mean, they're they're in a, having a show right now. Like the, they had to be be like, wow, NASCAR. This you is know? good. Yeah. I mean, and there was definitely people watching their first NASCAR race ever today, like based on, on tweets that I was getting. So uh, it was interesting to see some of the perspective. Everybody seemed uh, pretty entertained by that. So. Um, that was pretty cool. And of course the, uh, you know, Larson winning, no new winner. So now we know there's not going to be 17 winners this season. Um, and so it goes into Daytona, uh, knowing that it's a win and in scenario for some potential new winner, uh, if they're able to do it, because, 
you know, before there was still a chance that if there was a new winner today, uh, could somebody be knocked out, you know, could a winner be knocked out? Obviously that's not going to happen. So, um, so let's, let's talk about, uh, Kimi Raikkonen. I thought he was a pretty big story. I'm, I'm obviously doing a whole, uh, separate story just on his day. So I don't want to overlap that too much, but just what was your impressions, I guess, of, of how he raced, how he, you know, carried himself through the weekend and things like that. Yeah, it was fine. He did exactly what I thought it was going to be. He, he handled himself well. He, he definitely brought a, a star power presence to this race. He On the racetrack, he was very – he acclimated very nicely. Um, but it came down to what we talked about last week, and we wrote about it in The Athletic this week, which is like there are so many details like you can't replicate in the sim, and, and getting bunched up in, on a restart in traffic, and you guys got you got guys doing different things, and they're bouncing off each other. You're going to get victimized. You're going to get chewed up, and, and that's what happened. I, I thought he did a really good job. It would have been nice to see him try to be able to, to finish this race, um, but I don't think he embarrassed himself by any means. I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I mean, it's from all the drivers, you know, comments that I heard anyway, um, everybody was, like, really impressed and uh, felt like he jumped right in. I, I asked – I went and found Darian Grubb after uh, Kimmy was out of the race – and, uh, you know, cause Darian Grubb was crew chiefing for him for this, this week. And I said, so what strategy wise, like what, where would you, where do you think you would have ended up? Like, where do you think you would have shaken out? Right. And, um, he basically said they were, they, they had just done what Austin Sindrick tried to do. Um, which was, you know, they, they were end up pitting three times, but they took fuel only, uh, they were going to take, they were going to take fuel only for their last stop, which was what Cindric did right after Kimmy went out of the race. So, um, being on that strategy, uh, Cindric ended up finishing 13th and, um, that was exactly what Grubb had said. He said, we, this, that was going to be a top 15 finish. So, um, that would have been very impressive, you know, now, of course you would have had to avoid other late race incidents and things like that, but. Um, that's what they were aiming for. And that's what he seemed to be on track for based on how things were shaking out. And, uh, I, I still thought it, I mean, just his, his half of a race that he got to run, I, I was still impressed. Um, I mean, he was mixing it up with the guys and, um, you know, it was, it was interesting. And, and I'll tell you what, also Jordan, I, I thought that he, um, he really fit into NASCAR this weekend. I thought like, um, I'll give you an example, like, uh, you know, uh, after you wreck out of a race, you have to go to the care center and you have to do some, you have to do TV and then you have to do radio. Um, well, you're supposed to, and then you're supposed to do print. Um, now what, what has happened based on your experience at sometimes with the care center with, with drivers who have wrecked out of a race? What happened? Uh, quickly do a TV hit. And that is usually it. Yes. Oftentimes, uh, the NASCAR people we cover every week, they might do TV and then they look at us, the rest of us, and they just leave. They get on a golf cart and, you know, to hell with you guys, basically, right? Well, uh, Mr. Raikkonen did TV, did radio, did print, did finish TV. I guess, I don't know, that sounds like finish TV, but TV from Finland, who was here to cover the race. And he chatted. I mean, like, it wasn't like he was short with his answers. He was, you know, repeated himself and did all the rounds and... um was pleasant and you know he he had done he did everything that was asked of him you know uh obligation wise right so i, I thought that was i mean again if you're gonna get blown off by anybody <laughs> uh you would think oh maybe a, a f1 world champion who is never coming again 
uh, would just be like, nah, screw this. I'm I'm out of here. But no, I mean, he said he didn't, he thought he might want to come back again. He enjoyed his experience. The drivers enjoyed having him. He chatted with drivers and was pleasant and smiled and had enjoyed having his kids around. Stayed in the motorhome lot. I mean, it was cool. I, I think, you know, he really immersed himself in the NASCAR experience. And um, again, kudos to, you know, Trackhouse for having this opportunity. I mean, one person's idea of bringing one driver basically changed the whole storyline for an entire NASCAR weekend late in the regular season and got a ton of people excited and uh, a ton of people tuning in from all over the world. I mean, I, I referenced it earlier, but, you know, I, I had mentioned at one point on Twitter, oh, people are staying up late to watch it. And I got tweets from just all over the place and uh, not just people saying, claiming to be from somewhere, but, you know, I would, they would say, hey, I'm from whatever. And you'd click on their profile and it would, you know, have their location. Oh, I'm in South Africa, or, you know, um, Poland and uh, Brazil, uh, you know, all, all the European countries. I mean, it, it was just like, you know, one after another after another. And uh, people from Finland, obviously, too. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, this is my first NASCAR race. So uh, somebody said, uh, I, I understand stage one just ended. Um, how long until stage two starts and things like that? Like they'd never seen it before. So, um, I mean, it was really cool. It's great exposure for NASCAR. And I think, you know, Tyler Reddick had been concerned about like, hey, I hope he doesn't come over here and make us look like clowns. Like we don't know what we're doing, right? But I think it was a, it was a good mix of, he, he showed how hard it was, like he wasn't just going out and dominating. Um, and But he also, you know, the NASCAR guys, obviously, you know, he, he got to show his talent to them too. So everybody looked good in it. You know what I'm saying? Does that does that make sense? It makes sense. He didn't embarrass. He, he didn't come over here and, and steamroll everybody and make them look less than good. Um, but he came over here. I think he showed, like, this is not easy to do. There, this is not something you can just come over here, hop in a car and, and expect to to blow everybody's doors off. This is, this is difficult. This is, and I don't think NASCAR has gotten drivers have gotten enough respect for the difficulty of racing um, on a, on a national or global level. And I think this, this kind of indicates of like, this is not easy to do. Um, to me, the big takeaway was this. And I agree with what you said was this, this project 91 uh, adventure it to me is incredible because now you, you heard about it for many years. Like guys be like, Oh, I'm interested in it, but you know, I want to be with the competitive team and there's not really a way to do it. The Hendricks, the Stuart Hosses, they all got their cars. They, they can't do it. There, everybody's just, it did. There wasn't a right pathway to make it where someone could come in and get in a competitive car and, and do this. And now that door hasn't just been opened. It's been kicked down and NASCAR's willingness to work with this team and say, Hey, we get it. We're going to let you go do a private test and just get acclimated a little bit. You know, nothing fancy. We're going to get... That's not very like NASCAR. Like, right? That's something that they would have said. Like, hey, like, no, no, no. We don't allow that. We're NASCAR. Like, no. Like, hey, we want to do this. And I think this opens the door. And you saw it on social media. I mean, what do you had? Um, you had Jensen Button. Um, you had Marcus Erickson. Also, hey, I'm up raising their hands. Like, that's great. And this, you know, who knows what comes of this? And I, I it sounds like that this is going to be something that becomes a regular thing. This was a great first step. Absolutely. I mean, a great intro and, and, you know, they, they also did it the right way in so many different ways. Like, um, you know, they, they had, you know, w whether it was the crew, um, the team, the, the decals of, you know, the, the pit box and, and the logos they had and everything like it, it looked super clean, super professional, like, 
you know, they made sure that everything was right. You know what I mean? Like they, they gave him a great car. Um, he was going to have everything he needed, all the information, um, people giving him information during the race, uh, people reminding him of procedures and, and, you know, he had gotten that SIM time and that test time. Um, and you know, the sort of the, the things, you know, I, I kept thinking like, Oh, here comes a green flag pit stop. This is when it's going to all go South. He's going to drive through too many pit boxes. He's going to speed on pit road. He's going to miss the commitment box. Um, things like that. And that never happened. He had clean stops. I mean, the one thing that happened was he got, you know, bounced out of the way on a crazy restart, which that happens on road courses in NASCAR at times, but, um, no fault of his own really. I mean, I don't really think he could have done anything different there. I mean, you just get knocked out of the way sometimes, but, um, super impressive. Uh, I think it was really cool and, uh, can't wait to see, you know, who will come in the future. I mean, you could just see him going through his rounds and picture like, okay, well, imagine if Daniel Ricardo comes, how much fun that will be. Imagine if Lewis Hamilton comes at some point, how much fun that will be for everybody. Um, just a fascination. I think it's cool. Like, especially the F1 world where you, you're used to seeing these people like overseas for the most part, early in the mornings, it just seems so distant. And to have Kimi Raikkonen over here going toe to toe with Chase Elliott at one point and blocking Chase Elliott or whatever, you're like, damn, that's, that's cool. Like, I love that mix, that, that crossover, um, that we, you know, we were talking a few weeks ago about the Indy NASCAR weekend, um, in Indianapolis at the Brickyard and what was sort of missing. And, and I think that was it. Like put people, put different people in different races in this, in competitive cars. I mean, it's, I know it's not easy to do, but that's, that really raises the tide of all motorsports because like we said, I mean, how many people gained respect, r- respect for the sport of NASCAR today? um, overseas, like, you know, cause you, you think some people look at it, ah, they just go in circles or who cares about that? Or what is that? Or that's the Americanized racing. And, you know, it's like, you, you feel like the Europeans don't give it a ton of respect at times, but I mean, I think everybody had to be pleased with what they saw today. And, and again, Raikkonen gave the respect right back too. And I think that was important that he didn't just come over and be like, I'm Kimi Raikkonen. Like, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to play by your rules. I'm going to do my own thing. I mean, he was it was, it was cool. I just, I was just, uh, I think it lived up, lived up to expectations. I would say. So I agree. I think it was a win all the way around for everybody. Win for, for Kimi, win for track house, win for NASCAR and really a win for racing across the globe. So Larson sweeps the weekend, won the Xfinity race as well. Almondinger, uh, gets a second place sweep of the weekend, so to speak. Almondinger. I mean, Larson said it afterwards. Like if Almondinger was in Larson's car, uh, a, a, a car of that quality boy like uh he would win a lot of races i mean just uh you know it's not nothing against the college equipment but it's just not it's not at hendrick level you know what i'm saying and uh almondinger just continues to impress uh every time he gets to a road course man it's just the guy is just legit absolutely legit uh, McDowell had his chances for a while uh today i thought ooh, i was like no this is i this thought could so be the too McDowell yeah race. I mean, he faded at the end though, and I was surprised. Like he, I think this is gonna be one that he's gonna kick himself over because like they were there for a while and they just couldn't. They, they were. It's it's weird. Like we're talking about Michael McDowell running a top three pretty much entire race, and it's like we're disappointed by that, you know, which which tells you a lot. But they were there, and like I said, that second to last restart, he restarted third, and I was like, okay, like this. If you're gonna do something, now is the time. You're talking about being aggressive on a restart. It's like. Maybe this isn't Michael McDowell's nature. Now is the time to find that though and do it. And he 
got swallowed up and he was never a factor. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I don't I don't really know what else he could have done at that point. I mean, especially with Larson driving in as deep as he did there. Like, what do you I mean, you can't you can't drive it any deeper than that without just going straight into the tire barrier. But um, I mean, that it, you might think that I mean, that might have been the best race of Michael McDowell's career. Like, yes, he's won the Daytona 500. And yes, he's he's had great super speed races, but start to finish. I mean, that was a, that was fantastic. I thought he, I mean, he did a great job all day. Um, another top 10 for him, extending his career high in that category already. But, uh, unfortunate obviously to not get that, that finish or, you know, that he needed to lock himself into the playoffs, but, uh, you know, Daytona, Daytona's looming. So <laughs> he's good there, but I agree with you. I, I thought this was his best all run performance. And I, and I know it's the guys won Daytona 500, but from start to finish practice, qualifying race, everything this was a banner day for him and he has done a really good job on road course this year and, and showcasing his ability and that team has, has really done a good job and it's weird because you look at their, their their where they're at in the point standings and you're like oh wow okay it seems like kind of a sort of their regular year and it's like well actually no like, don't forget they had a 100 point penalty there yeah and, yeah and that changes the complexion of things a little bit um They've been really good, and that's they've really done a good job. And it's one of these teams, and you can throw GMS in there, and I would throw Colleague in there to some extent of like who have, have come in and this car has delivered what they anticipated, and they've been able to run with and at times outrun some of these much bigger teams. But you are seeing the trend though of like ultimately in this race, for instance, for much of the latter part of the race, you're seeing the guys that you would exactly who you'd expect to be up there, you know. Larson, Elliott, Almondinger, Reddick, McDowell, you know, Suarez, Busher has really proven himself as a good road racer lately. Bell was the only Toyota to um even make, you know, the top 15, I think. He was up there. He ends up finishing the top 10, but you know, you you're st you're starting to get the patterns so to speak of who are the good road course racers? I, I feel like at least, I mean, that's, um, it's, it's becoming reliable at this point, like who you think is going to be up there regardless of, of the car even. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I feel like we're getting a better sense of who's going to do well. It's really hard too, because the Toyotas are so they're underperforming. I mean, like you, but Kyle Busch today was running second for much of the race, like, or for the early part of the race. And you look competitive. Martrex junior today. Ooh, man, what a bad, like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Like, I, I mean, I know the Toyotas have got problems, but Kyle Busch went from, what did he start? Well, he started at the back because he had an engine problem, right? And he went to the front. Like, what? why is that team on a track they do well at so far out? I, I Something's missing there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, um, there's two sort of storylines, um, you know, that were, you know, subplots to the weekend, I guess. And they both involve drivers with the last name Bush. So would you rather talk about Kyle Bush first or Kurt Bush first? <laughs> um, they're going to be intertwined, I think, to be honest with you. So however you want to go is, is fine with me because they're they're honestly, they're, they're, they're just, like I said, they're intertwined. They're, there's, there's no separating them at this point. Okay. Well, you know, here's, here's sort of the thought exercise of the weekend. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we, we don't know anything yet. Uh, you know, all we know is that Kurt Bush is out for the rest of the regular season, right? He announced this week, not only is he missing Watkins Glen, he's also missing Daytona. Typically in the past when we've seen, you know, you, you go back to like a Dale Jr. type example. When they're talking about drivers missing like several weeks at a time, to, to be able to make that determination early, um, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to diagnose him or something, but it just doesn't feel like it's impending for him to come back because, if he was so close to a return, they wouldn't have already ruled him out for Daytona. Because as Dale Jr. came in the media center and said after Xfinity race as, as a winning team owner, remember, this is the doctors making this decision now, not Kurt. When Kurt put that initial decision in the doctor's hands, now it's up to the doctors clearing him. So it's not Kurt saying, ah, you know what, I'll just be safe and miss the rest of the regular season because I don't want to wreck a Daytona or something. It's the doctors saying, you're not going to be ready this week or next week. So at some point, if if he's in that bad of shape, um, the playoffs are the playoffs are coming, and it's just, a decision is going to have to be made. Now, this makes it complicated because if you're NASCAR, it's like okay, you know, we've given him a waiver, but what do we what do we do here? Um, if you're twenty three eleven, what do we do here? Are, do you do you have a driver in the playoffs? You know, take up a spot because they earned it, but they're not, actually not going to, you know, participate. You know, I, if it comes to that, what? How do you handle it? What do you do? If you're Kurt, do you say, okay, like, do you, do you give somebody advance notice and say, all right, well, you know, what, I'm going to pull myself out here, and then, essentially, like, I'm not going to use the waiver that I've been given, and then that would not qualify you for the playoffs because remember the rule is to make the playoffs. It's you know to win a race, or you know be the next close on points, and you have to have you know, tried to attempt to qualify for every race. So you have to have been there. But, and, and the only way to, to skip races and, and have that excused absence is like the medical waiver, which he's been given. But if you don't use it and you say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be using this, then that, that would essentially open up a spot. So we could go in theory to, Hey, we're going to Daytona with this one spot, but now it's actually two spots. Um, I, I don't know how you handle it. You know, Denny Hamlin indicated that those conversations are being had, uh, reading between the lines of what he said during his media bullpen session. 
you know, we obviously don't know anything official, but you know, what, what do you do here, Jordan? If you're the decision makers, if you're the powers that be, how do you make this playoff field? If you have a potential driver, who's not, you know, going to be participating, uh, or, or ready to, to be in the playoffs. What do you do? It's the conversation you have with Kurt and the conversation I have with Kurt is what is your status? What are you thinking? You know, talk to the doctors and is there a realistic pathway for him to be back within the next four weeks, because that would cover the first round. Right. And if the answer to that question is no, so if the answer is no, and he's not racing and you know, he's not going to be at Darlington. Is it a bad thing? If you say like, okay, well then why are we, why don't we just vacate that spot? Why do we have a spot reserved for him? We already know he's not going to do it. It's not like he, he said he's not racing. We've had these private conversations, right? Why don't we just can is it is it okay for us to open that up and say, hey, we thought this spot was taken. It's no longer taken because he's not racing. Why would it be unacceptable to do that instead of starting the playoffs with 15 drivers when you know that that 16 driver is not going to be there? Well, I think that's the thing. Like you have to. There's you some serious to, conversations that have to be had, like behind the scenes. Like, and I think that's the thing. It, yes. And I think that if it's something where the person is like, Hey, I think I'm trying to make it back for the start. Right. Then you can't, yes. you can't like take that away from them. If Agreed. they want to try to do it, even if, even if they think, Hey, I can I would, make it back for, for Bristol, Bristol night race. Exactly. Try to exactly. Do it you have to, you, you have to leave the window open for them. They've earned it. Fine. Yes, like, that's you, not fair because they're a playoff driver. But if they don't think agree. they can participate in the first round, like you said, and they're not going to be, I mean, yeah, he could still race up to, if he came back, you could still get up to fifth in points, but missing that many races, you're not going to get up no. higher, any higher than 16th anyway. So now the, the team would still be in for owner points, obviously. That's, uh, that would there, change. You have to remember, there's two different categories here. There's, there's driver points championship and an owner's points championship. Typically in NASCAR, they parallel, but if you look at the truck series or Xfinity series, it's much different. Now here's, here's my only thing with this, Jordan. I, I think, you know, if, if this comes to be whatever happens with this, that you cannot get through Daytona and then change the field. Like you cannot go to Daytona with what, with what we think is one spot left. Truex doesn't make it. And then Kurt says, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm out and Truex can get in and everybody goes, oh, well, that's just, I mean, that's, that gives me Jeff Gordon, 13th driver vibes. I think whatever happens, they, you, I'm sure you agree they, they would they they have to, to do be, it before you, yeah. yes, you have Daytona. to have, you, you have to have a clear, you have to have lay this out clearly before going to Daytona. So everybody knows on the up and up, like Martin Truex Jr. knows hypothetically, like, Hey, I no longer need to win this race. I can just get through this race, which is a completely different thing at Daytona. Like, right? That, and so you need to know that going in. You cannot do an after-the-fact comeback and, and change everything. It has to be going in. That's the conversation you need to have with Kurt and the doctors and where things are at, and, you know, we'll see. And, again, we don't know what's going to be decided. We don't know what's coming, right? We, we're not reporting something. So No, not reporting anything. This is... But I think these these conversations, it, Denny Hamlin said these conversations are being had like scenario type stuff. And I think, you know, it, again, it, it would have to 
everybody, I think everybody should just agree that you either do it before Daytona or you don't do it. Like, and if you get through Daytona and he, there's still a chance, then just leave him in. Um, because I think it would be too, I, I would just think it would leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth and, and, and seem like something was being manipulated. The field was being changed and, and we, what you would know, your reaction be if this happened? If my reaction to hey, which, which part after the fact they said, Hey, after Daytona Kurt's out and we're going to add another driver in the playoffs. I just, I, I just don't think that's why, why would you want to do that to the credibility of, I mean, everybody's been talking, especially going into Daytona where the storyline, if you think it's going to be one thing, you get everybody, you tell everybody to watch the race for this one thing, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, we're building this up. And then you go there and something happens and you go, Oh, by the way, yeah, I know. You, I know we all said this guy was out, but no, 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 no. He's actually in now, so it's it's fine. Like, so you'd be uh, angry? Uh, I don't think. I I think I'd be sad. I think I'd resigned be sad for almost. Like, what? Like resigned almost. No, I just think defeated. I'd be like sad for for NASCAR that this is just how things go. Like that's like come on. Like that's just. Uh, I mean that the the Jeff Gordon thirteenth driver thing still bothers me to this day. So almost 10 years later. Like I, I, it, I just don't want to see anything that comes close to that. So, um, I think the only, the way to, the fair way to do it is to decide before Daytona to, to make it out. Like it's a declining of the waiver, not using the waiver. So then that follows the rule book. That's that, that would follow the rule book. Otherwise it doesn't follow the rule book. I want to see like stick to the rule book at least. Um, and the rule book says it's, the 16, you know, 15 drivers plus the regular season champion um, who either have a win or the next highest in points who have participated in every race or have a waiver. If you don't use your waiver, then that would fit to fall out. So then I could justify it to myself that way. But if uh, otherwise, there's too many shenanigans for me and I would be very just like, ugh. it would just it wouldn't sit well. And I don't think it would sit well with a lot of a lot of fans personally. Is it wrong that I just want what I want, whatever is going to make you more explodable. Oh, I'm sure that, I'm sure you, that that's you just really want what I'm me to rant. For. You just want to create a rant from me. Yeah. I just want to like, whatever it's going to do to make that head of yours, that hat on top of your head, just like ex just shoot off like a volcano. That's what I want. That's wow. What a friend, what a friend. Well, the other part of that <laughs> is the, the Kyle Bush part of it where, um, you know, Dustin long, I mean, with question of the weekend, really, uh, ask Kyle Bush, you know, has there been any sleepless nights or what's, what's going on with all these, you know, negotiations and things up in the air. And I mean, he's Kyle Bush, like kind of opened up more than we've seen him certainly anytime this year or recently. I mean, basically said, look, it's whatever happens, it's going to be a lifestyle change for my family. Like indicating like he's going to take a major pay cut. And we knew that, you know, we, I think we all knew that, but like to hear him say, like, it's going to affect how we live like, and, and again, he, he said, he prefaces by saying, nobody's going to feel bad for me. Everybody's going to say you're rich. You know, you've made plenty of money. True. But like, I think to them, you know, I, and I don't know what specifically he's talking about, but you know, it could be, Oh, okay. I'm not going to be able to have my son go race in one state while I'm racing in one state and fly back and forth, you know, and, and have people work on my son's car or have a private jet or whatever it is. I, I don't know the extent of the finances. Right. But, so he's clearly saying we're, we're going to have to make, you know, s sort of sacrifices on what we're used to for our personal lifestyle. Um, 
you know, anybody that's had to, most of us, I would say at some point in our lives, have gotten in a situation where, you know, for whatever reason, you know, job loss or whatever, you're like, wow, okay, we're gonna have to tighten the belt a little bit and uh, change how we do things. Whether that's like, okay, well, we can't go to, can't go to Starbucks three times a week now, or, you know, we can't, we, we've got to cut Netflix or whatever it is, whatever it is for your personal thing. And, you know, it's not fun when that happens. So I'm, you know, Kyle Bush certainly doesn't expect anybody to feel bad for him, but he's indicating for the first time, yes, things are going to change. Now he, that doesn't mean his team's going to change, but whatever offer he takes, um, that, you know, it's, it's not going to be as much as he used to. And it certainly does seem increasingly, increasingly, increasingly likely that his team actually will change because it, they don't seem to be anywhere close to having some sort of breakthrough at JGR. Um, he, he said uh, to, in answer to a Bob Pockers question, he has not been told that he's not back there. So he's trying to leave that door open, I guess. Um, but it certainly seems other teams are could be interested. And I, as you mentioned, the intertwined part of it is again, we don't know about the Kurt stuff, so we cannot, extrapolate this all the way out but in theory if kurt bush you know as we saw with dale jr if this is like a lingering concussion type thing and it's a problem does kurt say okay well i'm not coming back next year now all of a sudden 2311 has to fill the 45 car what then what do they do because then then it's like a whole different thing like you know do you do you try to get kyle in that car do you try to get reddick a year early you have that car and if Kurt is not able to drive it or just saying he's going to step away, what do you do? And and that sets off a whole other domino all across the sport really. Right. I mean, cause then, you know, if, if it's Reddick, then does RCR, RCR has to fill that seat. Then what and could Kyle go there? I mean, there's so many different things. How, how do you see this, this scenario? <laughs> um, I would be shocked if Kyle's returns to Joe Gibbs racing at this point. I think that ship has. Well, you, and you even said that, I mean, last week. So. Yeah. I just, I would be stunned at this point if he returns. I think there's just that there, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I would just, I think it's too far down the road. The fact that Ty Gibbs is sitting there that they haven't found a sponsor for Kyle Bush, which is, I would just be stunned. I, I do not see a pathway where he returns to Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, I stand by what I said last week. The teams that you need to keep an eye on on this are Stuart Haas Racing, though increasingly less so, um, Colleague Racing, and I think that is definitely a team to watch, and then you need to watch 2311 because, as you said, Jeff, and you laid it out, if hypothetically, if Kurt doesn't return, they need a driver. What do they do? This team has gone, has made it known, like they go big, right? They have gone big every single time they've been in this position, whether it was getting Bubba, getting Kurt, getting Tyler Reddick. The first call you probably make is the Richard Childress Racing and say, what's it going to take, right? got to remember, though, Richard Childress Racing is going to have the leverage because they know that 2311 then is going to probably need a driver, and they may not be inclined to, to make it easy. It, it, based on what Richard Childress has said, he's probably not going to make it easy for anybody right now, right? So if that doesn't work out, Kyle's sitting there. Like, right there. He's the best driver available. He's in his prime. You know if he's in your race car, you can go win races. 2311 has good equipment. They meet Kyle Busch's criteria criteria for, you know, being able to go win races, right? 
And he's in the Toyota family already. So that makes it a lot easier as well. Where Toyota, we know, really, really wants to keep Kyle. They probably would help foster that, relate, you know, make that, you know, maybe transition a little smoother. I, I Hypothetically, that it makes a lot of sense. I don't know if it will, though, because, again, it comes down to dollars and cents. And maybe 2311 only can offer Kyle a, a short-term deal um, as opposed to maybe long-term out, uh, options that are out there. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, if you're asking me what I would have done, I would have, I probably would have done things a little bit differently in all of this if I was Kyle Bush, but that's, that's him, not me. Um, uh, but at this point, if I'm looking at this situation and I, and I know that Kurt status is up in the air, 2311 is an attractive, an option for me. Well, it would certainly make things, it's probably the easiest thing to happen. If, if it is an option, it's probably the easiest thing to happen because like you said, the Toyota connection is there. Toyota could keep him, the truck team, it all, it all sort of goes together. But at the same time, like if you're 2311 and you're, you're looking big picture long-term, um, you know, that, that car, even if you got him over there, that would only be for a year. Maybe. Wouldn't it? Well, okay. But you, you'd have to get another charter, I guess. And, and all that kind of thing. But I mean, the what I was gonna say is you need you're. Wouldn't it be better to try to get head start on Reddick? Sure. No, uh, that's the that's the first there. that's the first option. Like right. I said, yeah. But so what I'm saying then is okay. Then if you're if you're Richard Childress who once said hold my watch and then started to try to beat up Kyle Busch, um, could could Richard Childress and Kyle Busch coexist? Could Kyle Busch be an RC? You know, could could Richard Childress put that aside? you know, however he feels toward Kyle Bush in the past and say, you know what? I want to, I want to win again. I want to be, sure. I want to make a, a dent here. I don't know if they could, you know, coexist. They could. I don't know if they could pay him. I, I don't know what the deal would be, but could, could you see a possible scenario where that could even work? So yes and no. Yes. Because Richard Childers likes Kyle Bush type drivers, right? He, he likes drivers with chips on their shoulder. He likes, you know, guys who are not afraid to go out there and speak their minds and he could do very well over there. And I, I think they could put their differences aside. We have seen this many times, right? Where guys have, you know, Bubba Wallace and Denny Hamlin weren't on speaking terms. And now Bubba Wallace is driving for Denny Hamlin. Like these NASCAR has got a lot of the history of strange bedfellows. I, I could definitely see them getting together and saying, Hey, let's make this work. Here's a contract. Here's where I think it's complicated though is if you're going to drive for Richard Childress Racing, regardless of who you are, are you going to be anything other than 1B to Austin Dillon's 1A? That, that's the... Well, look at Tyler Reddick. I mean, he's... And Tyler's out the door because Richard Childress Racing wouldn't give him a long-term contract because he wouldn't have he hadn't yet won a race. And, and so uh, I, I, if I'm Kyle Busch, I've kind of I've kind of got the resume that says I want this entire organization built around me. Like the, I should be the focus, the main guy. And so that leads you toward colleague more. That leads me to colleague because one, I'm probably going to get a bigger paycheck over there, and, and two, I don't have to worry about paying second. Don't worry about the the grant the grandson of the team owner, you know, having the the, the team owner's ear and, and getting better equipment or whatever that goes into. I know if I go to colleague, I'm going to be the man. Yeah, but what Colleg would have to build? Uh, I mean, there. This is a, the first year they've been in Cup. I mean, sure. This is not like it's not even a track house type situation where they have the existing team and they kind of 
rebrand it and make it better. I mean, that's that's a real building process at Colleg. And I don't think, I mean, if Kyle Bush, he's he's getting toward his prime. Why would you really want to sort of spend your those years there? Like I, I just keep coming back to that. Like that that seems to be uh that'd be really tough for his, his career and the goals and, and, you know, of winning championships. And, you know, it's one thing for Brad to go to RFK and say, I'm going to drive here and I'm going to own it because it's going to be a real, real long-term thing. But, um, I don't know, like to go to college as, I mean, who, who would have thought that before the year? I agree. That was a possibility. I don't, I don't disagree. And, I, and I'm not trying to speak for Kyle here. And this is really only a question that he can answer is, uh, what is he prioritizing more? Is he prioritizing a paycheck or is he prioritizing, I can't say the word, <laughs> is he making a priority winning uh, races and competing for championships? Because at I mean, this he, point- He was asked that by somebody yeah. this weekend. It might've been Dustin again, but he said, he, he said absolute number one is the competitiveness. Okay. The competition factor. So- I mean, take that for what it's worth. Sure, but, sure. And, and then that case, I, mean, I guess it would be a bad look if he said all oh, the money. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing but, is like, that's the thing. Like at the end, I don't think these two things that right now are going to to co-align. Like you know, they're not gonna like you're not gonna be able to get a great high-paying salary, end up with a team that is going to, to give you that opportunity to continue to win champ, you know, races in a championship. At this point, that only avenue is to stay with Joe Gibbs Racing, and that ship, I, I would think, has sailed. Yeah, fascinating stuff. This is uh, this is going to be a very uh, eventful period here as we try to get answers to all these all these things coming up. I guess. Um, any any final thoughts about uh, what we saw this week uh, at the Glen before we you know give a little bit of a Daytona uh, preview here? I guess. Uh, not much. Great race, but we had a good race poll. I would vote high eighties, maybe even ninety percent. Well, uh, you did win the Kimmy competition because I said he would finish P14. You said he would finish P22. And um, All yeah, I do you, is were, win. you were closer because he finished 36th or whatever. Um, so our competition for this week um, is going to be who will get the final playoff spot. Uh now, obviously, it could be final playoff spots, but let's just do this. Um, the last last person in, essentially. Um, so, like, w- will there be somebody that goes to Daytona? It, it, it's, it was funny in the in the media bullpen this week, you know, it's like you talk to Bubba Wallace. He absolutely, you know, you could see in his, his face, he absolutely thinks he can, he will go win Daytona essentially and and get himself in the playoffs but then you go down okay here comes Austin Dillon Austin Dillon absolutely think oh I hate it that we have to you know wait till the very end but you know he, he plans on going to do it Brad Keselowski I'm sure plans on going there and winning Daytona he's a great super speed racer uh Eric Jones Eric Almarola Chris Buescher um probably Blaney I mean Blaney uh you know is obviously a great super speed racer all these people think they can go to Daytona and go there and, and win, get their first win of the year. Obviously, they all that all can't happen. So, who's it going to be, Jordan? Who's who's <laughs> the person that's going to come out, or is it not going to be any of them? Yeah, uh, I'm going to ride Ryan Blaney. I mean, one, he is as good as it gets in these super speedway races. His track record speaks for itself. He is the defending race winner at Daytona. He is always in contention. He came within a few hundred feet of winning the Daytona 500 this year. 
He is somebody that you know is going to be in these races. So knowing that is important because he can go there and just outrun these guys and win and get in. Also, if it comes down to a familiar face in victory lane, somebody we've already seen this year, that point advantage he has is not a huge number, but it's it's not something that's, you know, something's going to have to happen to Blaney. Our Truex is going to have to go out there and just win stages and, and still outrun Blaney. It's like that number isn't going to be easily erased. Um, I, I like Blaney. Yeah, I mean, if it comes down to the points between those two, it's going to be, I mean, I think it's 25 points right now. So, you know, you're, you're going to need a, a Blaney DNF and, it, you know, for Truex to also have a clean race. Um, I'm going to go Bubba Wallace. I think uh, it's going to be a heck of a story, but the Toyotas are going to work together. Uh, they're going to be fast, and there's going to be an emphasis on on trying to make sure uh, Bubba's in the mix. And, uh, you know, based on his super speedway prowess, I think it could happen. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Bubba Wallace winning his way into the playoffs. He's finished second at Daytona in the last two starts. Important to remember that. One at Talladega last fall, like, I don't think that is unrealistic at all. I think it's very like it could very likely happen. And the thing that speaks to me about Wallace, and you mentioned it, was his confidence. Bubba was like this going into Michigan, right? When he has confidence, like he tends to really do well. Like he thrives in these moments when he believes he can win. And this is absolutely a situation that he can do it. I mean, this has to be one of the more anticipated races. I mean, this is going to be so fun. It's just going to be such a blast. I cannot wait for that race it's it's just going to be highly enjoyable it's one, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's my one of my favorite races of the year like honestly I, I look forward to this race more than the daytona 500 in some respects i know it sounds crazy but like the intensity for this race is off the charts it, it is i throw it up there with this race talladega in the playoffs and martinsville playoffs like these are the three races like i circle because i like this is bristol too like this is this is good stuff i mean it's just going to be so chaotic and if you have late in the race, you know, some late race restart and like the front two rows or four guys or something who haven't won yet this year and are all trying to lock themselves <laughs> into the playoffs. And it's just going to be, I mean, talk about pull your belts tight. I mean, holy cow. That's love it. Wow. It's going to be fun. And we'll be back together to do this in person next week. And then, uh, F1 returns as well. F1's back. So, um, just a programming note for you, for those frequent listeners of the podcast, the NASCAR race is Saturday night and um, the F1 race is Sunday morning. I have made it so that my flight home um, isn't until Sunday afternoon so that I can watch the F1 race with Jordan and then um, make sure we include that in our podcast. Am I still making breakfast for you? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I I don't know. Do I trust your cooking? Like, I mean, my you... cooking is superb. Are you kidding me? I'm insulted. Well, I, how would I know? I mean, you never like. I, I always say, oh, I, I I went to this party and I I, I brought my special uh, guacamole or whatever. You you have some sort of, you know. I'm like, well, geez, I've never. I mean, Jordan's never invited me to any parties. He goes to parties with you know. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're like just you know the the coworking. You live in Denver, huh? You live in Denver. It's I didn't like always I live in you. Denver. I didn't live in Charlotte when you lived here. We have literally never lived in the same city. No excuse. No excuse. <laughs> At least you could invite somebody. Like, you know, it's like somebody's getting married. I know you're so anti-marriage. fake invitation? Well, you know, you could be like, at least you invite them. You're like, well, that person's not going to come, but I'll, I'll at least inv- I'll send them the invite. 
You'd be like, hey, if you're in town or if you want to come They're not town, even my parties. I get invited to these parties. I'm like, so, oh, this is my friend Jeff. I'm just going to tag. He's just tagging along. Uh, that's not true. I heard you had a, I heard you had a 4th of July party. <laughs> yeah, I almost, almost killed a couple of people with fireworks. <laughs> See, you could have been like, hey, I, I know you're not planning on being here, but I am having a big 4th of July party. Um, inviting some some people over, and if you want to try to make it out, I mean, I, I never got that invite. So how would I know you're that you have good cooking in Denver? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like give you a fake invitation. I think too highly of you. I'm insulted. I'm insulted. Anyway, I don't know <laughs> if I should trust your cooking or like I don't know what kind of teammate you are because you don't think that it's a uh, any you don't even blink that Kyle Larson just knocks his teammate out of the way for a win. So no, this is racing. Like come on. I mean, you could be trying to poison me with some scrambled eggs or whatever you do. I don't oh, know what you make. My eggs so. are delicious. I, they, they've never, I've grown. My eggs are delicious. Write yeah. that one down, everybody. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 like, I'm like, if I had a Yelp review. That's what I'm going to title stars. this podcast. I'm going to put the title of this podcast going to be my you eggs are delicious and nobody's going to have them. what you don't deserve them. Everybody's going to not understand the reference until the very end of the podcast. It's going to be like, is that some sort of like Kimmy? I have a special thing I put in my eggs that makes them extra fluffy and people love them. What are you talking about? What are we even talking about right now? You even cook. It's time to go. All right. Cook. You cook? No. You don't cook. What would I cook? I don't don't know how to cook. Okay. Don't criticize my eggs until you had them. Okay. My children survive off like fast food and DoorDash. Okay. So. <laughs> father of the year wow uh anyway so the point of my saying this was that we won't have this podcast out until probably next uh sunday afternoon after i've watched the f1 race and eaten the eggs that jordan will maybe cook so anyway uh don't expect it saturday night that's all i'm saying but uh everybody we appreciate you as always for listening and uh, it was fun to, to uh Again, run into some some podcast listeners um, at the track this week. Nobody said they enjoyed that you give me a hard time, by the way. So I think that's still false. But uh, now you're calling me a liar. That's great. Good job. Yep. Yep. Anyway, um, appreciate you guys, and uh, we will talk to you next time on the Terra.